This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. There's a theme that runs through the entire Bible. We're studying a little part of that theme uh, in the 6th century BC when Israel was exiled in Babylon and the people longed to get back to Jerusalem. That theme of exile and return, that theme of longing to go home, that theme of sensing this isn't right, this isn't good, I I wanna get to a right place, runs all the way through the Bible. On the earliest pages of the Bible, we see Adam and Eve exiled from a garden designed for them, designed for them to thrive and live in union with God. And in chapter three of Genesis, there's an exile. And the entire Bible is the story of human beings seeking to find their way back to God, but most profoundly, God reaching out to human beings to embrace us in his love. The law of God was given as a gift to help us find our way home. The prophets and the words that they spoke are a gift from God to help us find our way home. And the gospel in Jesus Christ is a gift from God to help us find our way home. We're going to read a story from the Bible this morning where those three themes all come together and we learn something wonderful about God and his love for us and his attitude towards us. Have a listen as we read the story of the transfiguration. Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 to 8. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Peter, James and John came down that mountain knowing something that they'd always hoped, that they'd always had a shadow, a glimmer, a bit of knowledge about, but now they knew it in their hearts in a way that was transformative and wonderful. They came down that mountain knowing the wonderful truth that the shining face of God is turned towards us. They knew that truth so deeply that it would affect the way they lived, the choices they made, the the ministry that they were involved in, the way they talked and preached to their congregations. And they knew it as something that was life-giving. Now they'd heard it all their lives and they'd hoped for it all their lives. Ancient Israel had a tradition in their worship. It continued through the centuries. We embrace it in, 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 in our traditions today. In the book of Numbers, 
Moses instructs Aaron by virtue of what God has commanded him to do, that he should stand up in front of all the Israelites and he should speak words of blessing over, over them. And this is how, says the Lord, you will put my name on this people. These are the words that Aaron and his sons and all the priests thereafter are to speak. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Those words were spoken over Peter and James and John and their families and this whole nation again and again and again as they went to the temple, as they gathered in their homes, as they worshiped in the synagogue, this blessing, this promise, this hope, this this aspiration, could it be true, that the face of the living God, the loving, shining, hopeful face of God is actually turned toward us human beings in a search for our souls, in a readiness to embrace us and love us. Well, when Peter, James, and John came down that mountain, they knew in their souls what they had often heard in the worship to be profoundly true, that the shining face of God is towards us. It is, it is continuingly true. And it's a truth that will sustain you in, in the perseverance that you and I are called to live out in, in this strange season that we're living in. It can feel like we're at loose ends. But I want you to know that the shining face of a loving God is turned toward you. Would you come with me back up the mountain? Let's sit for, for just a little bit in this story. Let's take a few moments and Let's look and let's listen and let's feel. Let's, let's see if we can get in touch with some of what these disciples experienced. Maybe by God's grace, he'll touch us with that same hope and that same promise today. Come and sit in this story for just a few moments and let your imagination, let your imagination roll. What do we see? What did these disciples see? They climbed the mountain. It was probably a rigorous climb. They were probably tired. Luke's gospel tells us that they fell asleep when they got to the top of the mountain. And as some of the drama and action unfolded, they were just waking up. But the first thing they saw was Jesus, their mate and their mentor, the fellow that they'd been traveling with for these seasons and watching him preach and seeing him do great things. They saw him change before their very eyes. He started to glow. He started to light up. He, he transfigured his very, his very, his very face glowed as, as if it were something spectacular and, and from God. And as they watched him transform, his very clothes shone. Mark's gospel said, says that they were whiter than anybody could ever bleach them. And then as we keep watching this scene, suddenly Jesus is not alone. There are two people with him, Moses and Elijah. These three stand together and have a conversation. And as we watch with our knowledge of the biblical background, as, as Peter and James and John would have, would have known their Bible stories, that they would have quickly understood there's Moses. He represents the law of God. There is Elijah. He represents all the prophets and the prophetic words of God. And there's Jesus conversing with them this amazing trio of people, God's law, a gift to help us find our way home. God's prophets, gifts of, of words of challenge and, 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 and constraint and comfort 
and calling, a gift to help us find our way home. And here's Jesus, who has God's good news, and they're talking together. What could it possibly mean? And as they watch this incredible scene, thinking about these three people, it wouldn't have escaped their attention that Moses and Elijah both had mountaintop experiences. They're all mountain men, these three individuals, as they talk together, and they've all met God on mountains. Moses went up the mountain, and there was thunder and lightning and clouds and smoke, and he received the Ten Commandments and heard from God and saw the glory of God and came down with a shining face that he had to cover, uh, lest people would fall down and worship him. That's Moses' story. And then there's Elijah. He was on Mount Carmel. He did battle with the, the prophet of Baal and triumphed in God's name. And then he ran to Mount Horeb where he was exhausted and depressed and fell asleep, kind of like the disciples. And God served him and ministered to him. And God's angels cared for him and, and, and set him on his feet. And in the still small voice of the presence of God, Elijah heard God speak. And they're talking together and, and engaged together. Jesus has also been on a mountain at the beginning of the gospel story, the mountain of, of temptation where he saw all the glory of the, the kingdoms of this world and was offered those kingdoms. But this is a moment of much greater glory. Jesus rejected all that to accept God's glory. And as these disciples watch, as we sit here with them on this mountaintop and watch, can you see the, the wonder? Can you see the marvel of who Jesus is? Companion of Moses, companion of Elijah, standing in this tradition, hearing from God and speaking for God. This is the one who brings salvation and hope to us. And as if that weren't enough, then we see something absolutely spectacular as a cloud envelops them all. A cloud which, which reminds them of the very presence of God, the cloud that led Israel through the wilderness in the, in the Exodus experience. The cloud that, that came with Moses on that mountain of Sinai, the cloud that filled the temple, the cloud that is so often present in the Old Testament story when the glory of God is manifest and the presence and power and wonder of God is right there in their midst. And this overwhelmed Peter, John, and James. They fell on their faces and the next thing that they saw was the dirt. They were face down, worshiping and trembling with fear because they knew they were in the presence of godliness and glory and wonder and might. And they were worshiping in awe. And what's the next thing we see in this text? The scriptures say that when they looked up, they saw the face of Jesus and he was alone. Things were as they were before, but never again the same. There was the face of their mate and their mentor, and now their Lord and their Savior and their King. And as they go down that mountain, they have the deep realization that this Jesus is not, is not like anybody else in the universe. He is the Son of God, and His face towards them is the loving, shining face of God towards us, how it shaped them, how it stirred them. Sitting up on the mountain, what, what, did, what did they hear? What, what can we hear as we lean into this passage? As Jesus is transformed 
And as he glows with God's glory, and as Moses and Elijah come and stand, they talk together, they have a conversation, and they speak loudly enough that uh, at least Peter uh, picks up some of what's being said. Peter's biographer, Luke, who writes the story up, gives us the one clue of the theme of their conversation. He says that they discussed Jesus' departure, or his death, or the literal word, his exodus. They were talking together about what Jesus was about to encounter for all humankind. Now, all three of these individuals had unique stories of their death. Elijah, you may remember, he had the most wonderful experience. He was just caught up in God's chariot and climbed in next to God and was whisked off to glory. Moses, at the edge of the promised land, died and was buried by God himself and taken into God's promise and hope. And Jesus, well, Jesus is going to die a horrific death. He's already predicted this to his disciples. He'll say it again as soon as they get down off this mountain, and he'll say it again, and they'll find it hard to believe, and they'll wrestle because they don't want to lose their friend. But this Jesus is not just the friend of these disciples. He's the friend of the whole world. He's the friend of us all, and he's the face of God, the shining face of God turned toward us. They're discussing Jesus' exodus, how he will lead all people out of sin into promise and hope in God. His death is not just about him. It's about God's, God's incredible love for all of us and the desire to draw us home in God's love. And so they would hear this conversation and they would be overwhelmed by it. The other two, John and James, would have heard Peter say, do you want me to make some, some little shacks, some booths, and we can all hang out here together? It was so amazing. Peter didn't want it to finish. But nobody acknowledges Peter's words. In fact, the text says he didn't even know what he was saying, really. Isn't that so often the way? In the midst of profound and wonderful spiritual things, I, I, I don't know what to say, and I don't always respond well. But God's love doesn't diminish because of that. He envelops us in his care. And so what's the next thing that we hear? It's the voice of God. And God speaking from the cloud says, this is my son and I love him and I am pleased with him. And I want you, I think he's speaking to James and John and Peter. I think he's speaking to me. I think he's speaking to every one of us. I want you to listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Listen to the witness of his life and the words of his teaching and the invitation of his love. Listen to him. And that's when James and John and Peter fell face down and tasted the dirt in front of them and, and worshiped God and trembled. And the very next thing they hear is Jesus saying to them, don't be afraid, get up. And as they stand, they are in the presence of their mate and their master. And they realize, as they've never realized before, that the shining face of God is turned toward them. Have you heard the, the, the glory and the gift of the gospel? That your sins are not the last episode of your life that define you, that they can be forgiven. That, that Jesus' love for you and for me is so incredibly deep and wide, that it can address anything in us and anything about us and 
bring us home to God? Have you heard that Jesus died for our sins and didn't just depart from this world, but led an exodus of believers into the presence of the loving God? Oh, such wonderful hope and wonderful promise and wonderful truth to know that the shining face of God is turned toward us. One last reflection. So as we look around on this mountaintop, what can you see? What can you hear? And what can you feel? We could speculate. They might have felt the wind, their faces, the the, the sweat on their brow as they'd climbed, the sleepiness that overtook them as they kind of lay there and then awakened. I wonder if the glory of God and the shining brightness of Jesus was warm on their faces. I wonder if the cloud created a mist over their bodies. Lots of speculation. But the one thing that is clear in the text, it says that as all this drama unfolded and as they fell down and worshipped and as, as they sat there in wonder, it says that Jesus came and he touched them and said, don't be afraid. Get up. And that touch from Jesus must have been an amazing moment in the midst of all of that glory and that wonder. Uh, This week on Thursday, the Orthodox Christian Church will celebrate a feast of the Transfiguration. Every year, the Orthodox Church celebrates the Transfiguration, and many within that communion celebrate uh, Transfiguration with all the joy and excitement that many in the West would celebrate Christmas. Because this is the moment where we see the the wonder of God's hope and promise culminating. God's gift of the law to, to bring us home. God's gift of the prophets to bring us home. God's gift of gospel to bring us home. And as they celebrate in this week to come, many in the Orthodox tradition use images to help them think about this story. Icons which depict the scene, not as if we were doing a cinemagraphic report. They're not like photographs. They're a a type of representation that asks us to think about ourselves being present in the story. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? And there are many icons of the transfiguration that beautifully depict some of the themes that we've just talked about. Many of those icons have an aspect of them that is really quite compelling. They are drawn in a way that if they are placed up on a wall, usually in a church or you know, above an altar, such that you come to look at them and you have to look up, they're drawn in such a way that you feel like you are welcomed into the scene. It's as if you're in the second row just behind the disciples, witnessing and being a part of it all. And some of those icons, some of those pictures, some of those beautiful depictions, they draw into the the, uh, image shafts of light from the person of Jesus, his glory, coming all the way down to touch each individual disciple. And there's a shaft of light, there's a ray of hope, there's a touch from Jesus for every one of us. This beautiful depiction of the transfiguration. It's not just a story that was for Jesus. It would have confirmed his divinity and assured him of obedience as he walked with God. It wasn't just for the disciples. It would have blown their mind. And they would have, they would have associated it with that beautiful promise from numbers. And they would have known that the, that the shining face of God is turned toward us. It's, it's, a, it's a story for all of us. 
And it's to remind us that in this season, we do not walk alone. In this season, we are not, we are not compelled to, to draw up from within our, ourselves the resources to battle on, but that God himself comes to us with forgiveness and with love, with conviction and with calling. He comes to us with a shining hope. And this is, this is our promise. Well, today we're going to celebrate the communion meal. And as we do so, we are celebrating the presence of Jesus Christ with his followers everywhere. What is most true about the communion meal is that Jesus longs to be with us, present to us. And he longs for us to know that the shining face of God is turned toward us in love. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and wine in the presence of his disciples, and he had a meal with them in which he invited them to keep remembering him, to keep drawing his truth and his life close to them. And he promised them that whenever they celebrated this meal and remembered him, that he would be with them. If you have some food and some drink with you today, and, and with those who are gathered with you, I invite you to join me in some, some moments of reflection and celebration of this communion meal and of this wonderful promise that Jesus is with us always. I'd like to invite you to take the bread and to take the cup and to know that Jesus is with us. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup and he said, this cup is, is the, uh, it's, it's my blood, which is shed for you. It's, it's the new covenant between you and me. Do this and remember me. Now, I'd like you to take bread and the cup, some food and some drink. And I'd like you for just a moment to imagine that Jesus is right there in the room with you. And that it's Jesus himself who is passing you these elements. I want you to imagine that it's Jesus himself who says, this bread is my body and it's for you. And it's Jesus himself who said, this cup is my blood and it's for you. What do you see in the loving face of Jesus? What do you hear in these beautiful words of invitation? And what do you feel as Jesus reaches out to touch you? Let's take these elements and let's sit in quiet and let's pray with thanksgiving and let's receive from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.